This week's episode is brought to you by Martin Luther King Day in the U.S. Hope our American listeners are enjoying a three-day weekend. And uh, if you didn't get one, well, sucks to suck, I guess. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, Matt Bosco? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Steph Austin, logged into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for January 18, 2015. Coming up on the show, the league is suddenly active. The Avs wave Nate Gannon in favor of rookie Chris Begros. Zadorov is back, and obviously much more, but... Before we play the whoosh, it's time to welcome back this week's Disembodied Voices. Joining us from the frozen wastes of some crease somewhere is Mike and MHH. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. How are we doing? And the focal point of MHH Rampage coverage, Earl 06 is with us today. Hi, Earl. Howdy. Mike may sound a little bit different to you guys than usual. He's joining us despite having a cold, though. So appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's okay. get to the rundown. Not a great week in Avs standing points, starting on Tuesday with a mattress-defecating 4-0 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Colorado only managed 21 shots on goal in this one, including four in the third period. Barry had three, McKinnon had five, Duchesne only had one on goal, but was kind of buzzing early, and no one else showed up. So, that happened. Then, the following day, Colorado exposes one Nate Gennon to waivers, which makes room for the return of Nikita Zadorov and the NHL debut of much-hyped rookie Chris Bigaroff. It's, uh, it's hard to say much about losing Gannon that we haven't already on this show. Would anyone like to try? Is he really gone? Did he get reassigned? I don't think he ever got reassigned yeah. yet, did he? <clears throat> He's not been reassigned. Uh, I don't know if he will. They did this with Gormley, too, and it's just like, at this point, you're just trying to give the player away for free, very transparently. Well, I, I, th- I think it's sort of a hedge on the bet of, of Chris Begra making his debut. Um, I, I look at his sort of Gormley was for Zadorov, and I, I think that that was planned a little bit further in advance. And I <clears throat> I think that waving Gennon was was to get Begra up, and you know that's going to depend on the next few games probably. Yeah, we'll get yeah, into that. It, it doesn't make sense if you think about it with the whole 50 contract limit any other way. I mean, they're probably still practicing with Ginnon, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but he's there. I don't... Can he practice after he's been waived? Oh, yeah. If he has been reassigned, he can he can run the team if they wanted him to. <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're scratchy and robot and all kinds of audio glitchy there, Mike. I don't know what's going on. Um, Gormley, like, after they waved Gormley, all he did was take shots on the coach, and then Gus sent back to San Antonio, so. He did have one real practice right before he got sent down. Oh, did he? Yeah. Hmm. Um, that was, I think that was the day that the guys got called up. Hmm. Who knows? Maybe he's just towel boy until they figure out what to do with him. It's a pretty good spot for him on the roster. So, uh, Zadorov slots in next to Boschman, and Bigrod takes the third pair with Zach Redmond, and a new and definitely necessary waiver claim, Andrew Bodnarchuk, takes the scratch for Thursday's game. Abs win 3-0 over the New Jersey Devils. It was fairly characteristically boring. Matt Duchesne scores one minute in, um, followed in the second by Tyson Berry shorthanded, first time he's done that, and Carl Soderberg in the third with the net empty. 
Avs fans, of course, are happy to take the win, but a lot of eyes were way more concerned with the called-up defenseman, and a lot more on that coming. Also, Calvin Pickard got this start, which makes it his first complete game shutout in the NHL. He's had some shutout streaks, but they were never, like, a one game start to finish, so well done there. Also, a full game start to finish possession win. Well done there. Then on Saturday, Colorado travels to Columbus and drops a really stupid 1-2-1 to the Blue Jackets. Chris Wagner scores for the Avs, assisted by Chris Begraw, who earned his first NHL point on the play. And then Columbus scores with a minute to play on a shot that ricocheted off the ice and tipped off Cody McLeod's toe and popped up over McPickard's shoulder. Come on. That was tough. I mean, I... Yeah, you, the, I was surprised my remote control survived the night, honestly, <laughs> after that one. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't blame Cody for trying to block that. I mean, it's, it's so basal skull reaction there. I mean, that, and it's what they're coached to do: block shots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's obviously really dumb, but I mean, you just, I'm sure he didn't want to five seconds after, but you know, you just can't think like that. I mean, it was just if, if Jack was it, who, who is it that scored the goal? I can't even remember. Wagner. I mean, no. if he'd gotten like five percent more of the puck, that's a routine block shot that ends up in the, on the boards or in the corner, and it never even gets through to Pickard. But because he fluffed it and one hopped it, I mean, that's just yeah, that's it was just the off the toe of the skate. I mean, barely got a I mean, piece. Yeah. <clears throat> every once in a while, you get magic bullshit, and every once in a while, the other team gets magic bullshit. Well, I never saw the replay because all I could see was Columbus's. Fucking horrific feed. Yeah, they're awful. Uh, and but there was a, a spot in the third where Pickard stood on his head and they oh, never yeah. replayed it. And I got a feeling that he got some luck there. So you win some, you lose some. This was obviously the wrong end of the stick. Yeah, and you know if the Abs have maybe scored a few more goals, that probably wouldn't have mattered much either. No, I agree. More they, goals would help. Yeah. They did everything they could. I mean, I thought Duchesne and McKinnon both had really, really strong games. They both hit some iron. They just they were shooting through, you know, forest of legs a lot. I mean, we talk about our guys getting coached to lay down in front of shots. Tortorella has made that his career. He's, yeah. he's got those guys leaping in front of him like they're the hero at the end of buddy cop movies. I know, and it, a lot of the power plays I was watching, they were just setting up for taking long shots from the point. I'm like... Boy, that just really falls right into Columbus's trap there. I mean, yeah, you know, I, exactly I, where Torts wants the Avs to shoot from during a power play. It, that didn't make sense to me either because that, that was driving me nuts watching the shot get blocked, you know, 10 feet from the blue line. That, yeah. <laughs> that was killing me. I was like, at least, at least work it down to Iggy in the corner so the shot's at least, you know, geographically near the net. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was tough to watch. I mean, you know, I, I realize that that's, you know, it's always good to put the puck at the net and, you know, not shooting it is bad. But, um, yeah, I think the focus there should have been a little bit more down low. So with that, yeah. Colorado have lost their playoff spot and sit with 47 points, one behind Nashville and five back in Minnesota, though both teams do have a game in hand as does every team with three, and three points back. Anaheim has three in hand somehow. How has Anaheim only played 43 games? It's like mid-January. 
there's a little known federal law about eye bleed caused by bright orange jerseys, so they have to spread those games out. Oh, okay. Is that why they're not allowed to play very late into the spring? Yeah. <laughs> it's the chrome plus the orange. It's the same thing with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and why they never make a postseason. <laughs> no, look, I don't hate Anaheim's orange jerseys. I, I really don't. Well, I mean, it's not like they had an option. You name the team the Ducks, there's pretty much one color you have to have in the jersey. Orange, right? I mean, I like it better than the teal, for sure. I still wish they had gone with the classic Disney movie ones, you know, the green ones with like 17 different trim colors. Same. But, I mean, the orange never makes a defenseman who gets burned look good, though. The pylon jokes make themselves. Yeah. So, um, it kind of stunned me that Colorado fought their way back into a playoff spot. Um, they've been doing it in a lot of close games recently. So, is there, what do you think the team's been doing differently um, through December and January to help claw themselves out of that hole that they dug at the beginning of the year? Well, I mean, Duchesne's continued to produce at a pretty high level. Uh, he's, you know, he cooled off a little bit after his blistering November, but he's still, he's still driving that line. I think a lot more than McKinnon. Uh, Max chipping in by drawing penalties and things like that. I think the breakouts have been reworked. They seem to be a lot more patient with the breakouts. Uh, I see a lot more dropbacks and reversals instead of just the chip off the glass and go approach. Um, so I've seen little tweaks like that. I think the personnel change we've seen in the last couple games has paid dividends. I think Zadorov and uh, Bigra are, are both upgrades over the guys that they replaced. Uh, Bigra plays a pretty quiet game, but it's it's pretty cerebral. Um, I didn't see the first game they were called up. Uh, I tried to watch him close in Columbus, and I thought he had a pretty strong game. Zadorov, on the other hand, was what – Earl had said we should expect <laughs> there's three or four just wow that guy is gifted uh, plays in every game and then there's one or two just like what the hell <laughs> kind of plays I'm thinking of one where he got the puck behind his own net with time and space and he decided the proper play was to pass it straight up the slot I don't know who he was passing to the opposing goalie I don't know but he got picked off five feet inside the blue line and nobody knew what to do after that. I mean, there was like two or three free shots on picks, and I was – I mean, that's peewee-level hockey. I mean, we complain about Nate, Nate Ginnon and company not being able to do things. But that that was one of those things I'd been looking for based on what we were hearing out of San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, he was a lot better in the first game. But, um, you know, you, it, he's, he's a high-event guy. Um, I went back and looked at all the 5v5 goals that – have been scored either for or against the rampage this year. And it's just, his rate is so much higher. I mean, he and Bigra are even as far as, you know, pluses and minuses in that category, <clears throat> but it's just, there's a, a much greater chance that a goal is going to be scored by either team when Zadorov is on the ice. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I, I don't think that's exactly a bad thing. I think it's a nice changeup. Uh, but it's you got to be on your toes when you're out there with him. Yeah, he makes yeah, I mean, really risky decisions, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yep. 
I did like how he draw he drew a penalty there. Um, was it the third and by not re- overreacting? Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody may have missed that one, uh, Zadorov and Hartnell were kind of jawing a little bit, and uh, Hartnell got so distracted by their argument that he stayed out on the ice a little bit long into the shift and got too many men on the ice for Columbus. That was lovely. <clears throat> I enjoyed that very, very much. Um, and it may be because I'm just watching him so closely, but I don't see b as being as quiet maybe as you do. Um, I see him making a lot happen, specifically in the neutral zone. Making good reads, making uh, just keeping the other team from popping into the zone. And maybe that's because Colorado is so bad at, at uh, preventing zone exits the other way, or zone entries the other way, that it's just kind of like a breath of fresh air to see a defenseman that can actually do that. Well, his gap control is fantastic, and that just opens up a lot of turnovers. You know, he's very good with the stick, and when you're in the correct gap, I mean, you can just whack your stick out and, and either cause the guy to go offside or cause a turnover, and that's something he's, he's really good at, and he's really good at sort of, I don't know, figuring out the right time to do that and the right time to, to lay back and, and just, you know, keep the gap and, and control going into the, the zone. Yeah, I, I see what you guys are saying. I mean, when I say quiet, I'm thinking of it maybe it's from a goalie standpoint, whereas when he's on the ice, I don't see just, you know, want to choke the guy, stupid mistakes, or he does what I think an NHL defenseman should do. He should force plays to the outside, make high probability stick checks, just like you guys are talking about, and force guys with the puck to do things they don't want to do, and and get the resulting turnover, whereas a lot of the guys we've seen on the blue line for Colorado in the last couple of years are pretty passive, and they kind of wait for the game to come to them. He's a little more – he steps up a little more often, I think, is one way to put it. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't game... notice him as much in the offensive zone as I did. You do the Holdens and the Berries of the team, but the neutral zone is probably his biggest strength right now. He drove to the net on Wagner's goal. I mean, he was right yeah. there. That surprised um, me because that was the first time I'd seen number three that far down low. And yeah. I was like, who is – oh, that's Bigger. Where did he come from? <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's he's pretty conservative with that, but he, he's not tentative. Um, when, you, when you see him jump into the play, it, it's it's usually a good time to jump in the play, and it, and it usually creates something good. So it's, you know it's – well, I, I wish he would do it more. I think he could do that more. But I understand if, you know, 20 years old – that you, you don't take the big chance all the time. Well, and with his partner, like I said, I didn't see the Lightning game, or I have, I didn't see most of the Lightning game or the the New Jersey game, but watching Redmond last night, I can understand if Igraz was puckered up every time he was on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Redmond does just inexplicable things. Yeah. <laughs> Redmond's been less than outstanding lately. He has three decision paths to make on that flow chart, and he picks the what-the-fuck one yeah. nine times out of ten. <laughs> like, I can pass to the open guy to my left, I can pass to the open guy to my right, or I can bend space-time by going straight through this guy. I think I can bend space-time. I mean, yep. he just does weird, weird things. Not like Gannon-level incompetence. It's just like, what thought process went into that? <laughs> <laughs> No yeah. one coached those instincts into him. That's something that he is either 
been told at some point was a benefit or something. I don't know. It's just it doesn't make any sense to me what he does sometimes with the puck. Sometimes it's bad, and he's he certainly wasn't great in I don't think either of his last two outings. But uh, it's definitely a different way of thinking. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, he's you know he's he's tough to play with, and and I, I can kind of see calling Bigrog quiet um, as well because he's not really a guy who's going to throw the body around. Right. Like I said, I think he's a he's real cerebral of when to use a stick and when to use his angle. And like Earl said, his gap control is excellent. And I think that maybe caught some guys' surprise that were coming in on him. You know, they kind of went right at him, thinking they could put a move and walk the rookie, and it didn't happen a lot. Right. Yeah, he's pretty fearless with the gap control, and I think that's something that you really have to have to have good gap control because, you know, a lot of guys sort of nick holding it and they, you know, get a little squirrely and they're like, damn, I better just open up a huge gap here, which is, you know, which is counterproductive. Oh, it's either that or he goes for the big hip check. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still I mean, better I, than Gannon, which is, boy, if this guy gets behind me, he is gone. So I'll be in front of the goal. Just no one reads. <laughs> no one has read more last names on the back of a jersey than Nate Ginnon. <laughs> I guarantee you that. I don't know. I thought. I thought the gap control is a, that's a valid point, and I'd be interested to watch a a game with both him and EJ, and you know, compare and contrast because. Eric's gap control has been like a mythical thing. Ears, he's really, really good at it. And to see a guy, you know, that much younger than him have the same kind of skill set's got to be exciting. What's really nice because I wasn't sure if that was going to translate from the AHL to the NHL. And you know, bigger is he's kind of outperformed where I, I kind of thought he would be after two games. So yeah, it's very promising. And again, if he can keep this up. You still think he's probably going to get sent down as soon as EJ's healthy and then hold on to Zadorov? Let me put it this way. I, I think there's less of a chance of that now than there was you know, before before he, he played. Um, I figured he'd just get called up and he'd, you know, he'd look good, but you know, sort of look like he needs some more polish and get sent back down when CJ comes back up. But now you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed up and maybe someone else gets sent down. It wouldn't be a complete stunner to see uh, to see Redmond go back. Um, I don't think that's what happens. I think they'll probably send Bigra back when EJ's back up and say the whole playing timeline. Um, but I mean, they could just get rid of the FNG. I mean, I I don't know why he's around, and you know, it's been discussed to death why they even got him in the first place. But you know, if if they could put him on waivers and Columbus actually takes him back. You know, that solves our contract. <laughs> and, no, I agree. <laughs> and, and you know, has eight defensemen just like we need. But we can't just waive the guy because he was just on waivers. Like, it hadn't been 30 we days him. yet. We can't send him to San Antonio. Wait a minute. So we could waive him. Yeah. And hope someone else is as dumb as we were picking him up. Right. Or. But, but if he clears, he, he can't be sent to San Antonio until the 30 days from the, the waiver pickup happens. Okay. Right. God, waivers are so freaking stupid. I mean, it. we still have the contract, so it wouldn't open up the contract space. But 
Well, if someone claimed him, it did. That's that's you know, Columbus yeah, said the they'd time. probably claim him. You know, that would be you know that would solve all our problems if they just waved him and Columbus would take him back. But that's just too much to hope for. I'm sure nothing ever goes that easy. That'd be one of the strangest stories in the NHL in a long time. Yeah, you remember that time that 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 one team waved a defenseman and then another team picked him up and played him like twice and then waved him again and the first team took him back. There was some guy who went through a couple teams either last year or the year before that. I, I think he played some games for the Canes, but I can't remember who it is. Yeah, I'm remembering that as well. Like there was some some guy who bounced around, and it it was almost that exact scenario. Yeah. So, it it can happen. I, I mean, it'd be really nice. I mean, I think you know, I I think once EJ comes back, that's probably the the best move to make. Is is you know if they know that he's going to get claimed on waivers. Just put him or, out there and let Columbus clean up the mess. Or try to trade him for a seventh or something. Get something. <laughs> like, hey, you want him back? What do you want Want to give him for us? Come on. Well, going back to the, the question about whether or not Vigra goes back down when EJ comes back, do you think, and this is more for Earl, but he got 13 minutes and change against New Jersey and just over 10 minutes against uh, – Columbus the other night is those the kind of minutes he needs in the NHL or do you think he's better off getting 20 in San Antonio that's a tough call um you know I mean I think only the abs can answer that because I mean you know obviously it's it's better to play more but San Antonio is just a tire fire right although he would help that a lot um I mean, conversely, Zadorov's getting right at 20 minutes a night for the two games so far. Yeah, I don't see him going back though. I mean, I just, I, I think they're they've, I, I think they they sort of said to themselves, once we call him, once we call Z back up, he's staying. You know, we're not going to jerk him around. We're not going to send him back and forth. If he, we call him up, he's staying up. So I think this move was precipitated under the assumption that he would stay there. So yeah. what's conversely then? What's the situation with Grigorenko? <laughs> um, you know, when they as soon as they want to start scratching Tange, I think there'll be a spot for him. I mean, I think we all entered into the season looking at the lineup, saying he's the long-term replacement for uh, brain fart for either uh, Aginla or Tange, assuming one or the both was gone. You know, but third and fourth line minutes. He's not even getting those now in favor of guys like Skilly and Wagner. Well, I think Wagner playing, I mean, you, you know, he had sat for so long, you just had to play him. And he played well enough to earn another start. So yeah. I'm not surprised that, that Grigos sat for two games in a row. Um, you know, I, I think both those guys are just in the spot where they're the 12th, 13th forward, and, and that's just the way it is. Right. I mean, I, I think Grigo would do a lot better, you know, down in the AHL, but they can't send him there because someone would claim him on waivers. So That's they're right. faced with having to develop him at the NHL level, which is not optimal. And it's just I think it's, I, I can make the case that everybody on our third and fourth line right now and the guys that have been rotating through, any of those guys got waived, they'd get picked up right now. Yeah. Which is not something I've been able to say for two years. Yeah. Yeah. No cliches. 
I mean, Skilly would get picked up, I think, based on the season he's had so far. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I think Martinson, somebody would take a flyer on Martinson in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. Someone like an, an Anaheim or somebody that likes the body. I don't think he has to uh, go through waivers, though, does he? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure he does. I mean, he, he's on a one-year ELC, and I think you have to play at least one year um, to get on waivers. Waiver eligible? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just looking at the depth chart, even, you know, a contender would take McLeod, not that they'd ever wave McLeod. I think Wagner would get picked up again if he got yeah. waived. I mean, no, I think, just, I mean, just based on the last two games, I mean, he kind of tailed off when he was playing a lot. But I, I think that might have, you know, I, I think once he got back in the lineup, he, you know, he really appreciated being there. He's looked great the last two games. <clears throat> Speaking yeah. of, I'm thinking of, that Columbus game again, Skilly, man, that dude was on a mission. He wanted to score against Columbus, something awful. But he got close a couple team. times too. Yeah, he came damn close. Yeah. For for ten minutes on the ice, he maximized it. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, for a fourth liner, you look at the guy. He's he's big, and he's incredibly fast. He he shoots a lot. He doesn't have a great shot, but. Um, you know. I'd say he's got an above-average shot. I mean, he gets that thing off quick. It gets off quick, but it just—I don't know. He, it, it doesn't go in a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's not accurate, but. Uh, but it's still—it's nice to be able to have someone that will shoot like that, and yeah. you know, generate rebounds. That's all we want. Yeah. Or or faceoffs. You know, when those guys—I I mean, McNabb even mentioned it last night. It's like those guys went in, they got themselves a faceoff in the offensive zone, and the Duchesne line came out. Bam! That's exactly what you want. But uh, yep. just like that, just that easy. Um, of course, he struggles, kind of like Mitchell does as he goes up the lineup. So he's yeah. in the perfect spot. Well, I'm glad that I have both of you here today with uh, with Calvin Pickard getting some some pretty good looks the last couple of nights. He came in, he, he replaced Varlamov against the Lightning, I believe, and then got just roasted his first shot he faced and then didn't give up another one until Saturday. Right. So, and I don't, I mean, you can't fault him for either goal against Columbus. Not yeah, really. Yeah, I don't know what Holden was thinking when he just said, I'll just let Dubinsky stand here. Well, I mean, that whole play was. I mean, I mean, I know. God love happened. him, but Zadorov ruined that whole play because <laughs> yeah, he should I mean, have stopped behind the net. But then it looked like he was going to continue, and then Holden thought he might have been passing it or maybe handing it off. Yeah, and, I know Holden thought that he had to pick the guy up on the far side. I mean, he, I'll also he throw McKinnon under the bus a little for that one too, because he was standing there watching between the circles when it might have been good to have him in front of the net. Yeah. It was but, just weird. Yeah. And they capitalized on it. They, you know. Yeah. That guy's been. Play by Dubinsky that. been snake bit most of the season, but he's been warming up lately. Yeah. Um, and he he was not going to stay snake bit forever, of course. And that's a guy that will score from there. Yeah. If you give him it. And they kind of just gave him it. <laughs> like, here you go. See what you can do. Oh, you scored. Oh, bother. No, I mean, getting back to picks, I thought he had a. A solid game in Columbus. There was no, I, you know, no stink on him. Um, the Lightning game looked like I've gone back through the highlights a few times. It looked like it looked like when your Division One team plays a Division Three team for two days, 
you know, and just <laughs> runs over them all day. That was a passing clinic. Tampa Bay did whatever they wanted. There were a couple of goals Tampa scored where I was just like, man, that was pretty. I'm not even mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they exactly. really played a fantastic game. I mean, they, you know, yeah, the Avs just didn't look that great. But, I mean, Tampa looked about as good as they have all year probably. No, I agree. And then New Jersey went kind of the way everybody thought it would go. You know, it's a low-event team in New Jersey with some some injuries and some questionable scoring on their lineup. And I didn't think they put up much much of a threat, and it kind of shook out that way. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, it, you know as well as anyone that getting a shutout is really tough, no yeah. matter what the team. He, he had to make a few really nice plays to keep that intact. And, and I'm glad he did. But, yeah, they weren't the biggest threat. Yeah, he made some good ones in the in the Columbus game, too. There were a couple I thought were I'm trying to think, especially that the one where um, McGinnon ended up taking him into the post hard in the first period. Oh. That was a spectacular play. The one with the uh, – they flubbed it, but I can't remember. It was like a two on O right in front of him in the third. Yep. I uh, can't remember who it was, but – he did everything right and then got some luck there. But I thought he played a strong game positionally. There were a lot of – he fought through the screens, which is something that he's, you know, had an issue with oftentimes in his career. But he he fought through them well in the Columbus game that I saw. And they were putting bodies in front of him, especially in the third period. Is that about how he's looked with San Antonio? Um, I mean, in the beginning of the year, yeah. It's, you know, we'll get to this later, but it's it's been – it's been difficult lately. Um, Mike, I was going to ask you, if you if you put on your Francois Allaire hat, um, uh, is, is Pickard ready to be Varley's full-time backup? You know, either now or definitely next season. And if we're putting on the Allaire hat, I would have to request we put on the Allaire accent as well. <laughs> oh. oh, it'd be more Pepe Le Pew at this point. <laughs> I, a little bit. I don't think anybody let's wants see, that. Let's no, see I mean, how many French speakers we can offend today. <laughs> I, I, Earl, to answer your question, I'd probably say I think he is. Um, whether I think it's developmentally the best for him, I don't know that he's got a whole lot left to sh- prove at the AHL, but I struggle with guys that don't get but one out of 15 starts, and that's something that Waugh has said that he likes to do with Barley when Barley's playing like Barley. So it seems to wait, It seems like a waste of, of Pickard to have him sitting on the bench with those kind of, you know, a dozen starts over the course of a year uh, kind of breakdown. But when Varley's playing like he is recently, where he's a little human, a little average, I don't see why you wouldn't just hand the reins to Pickard for those, you know, go 50-50 platoon until one of them either craps the bed or takes it over. But there's no reason for me to say he needs more time in the A right now. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think Calvin's – biggest problem has always been coming in cold. I mean, he, he's always been good once you get, you know, a couple games in a row. I mean, he just gets in his zone as far as preparation for the game and whatnot. When he is the number one guy, you know, he, he generally gets up for the games and plays very well. But if he doesn't play for six or seven games, <clears throat> it's been a little tough. And I think that's one reason the, the Jersey game was really nice because, you know, he hadn't started anywhere in a while. And right, he but could, he got a he got some shots in the Tampa game. You know, I mean, yeah. he didn't, it wasn't his first NHL action in a month. I mean, he yeah. saw 
it was a shit show, but he saw some shots. <laughs> but I mean, he game. didn't prepare to be the starter that game or anything like that. But, right. You know, he he came into the Jersey game knowing he was the starter, prepared for it. Came in, there were no softies in the first period or anything, and, and you know he he played a very solid game. And I, I think that's what's what needs to happen before they entrust him with being the backup full time. Right. And like I said, my only hesitation is just the ratio of games of starts. If, yeah. If Waugh's going to tweak it down to a 60-40 or maybe even a 7-30, 70-30, and Picker can get a rotation going, I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be there. But if it's going to be one of those 1 out of 10, 1 out of 12, I'm going to play Varley on back-to-back nights when he's hot garbage. Let him get in the A. Let him keep taking shots. It just. Well, I mean, when, when Alaire was – I mean, sorry, when Jiguer uh, was here, I mean, you know, he played about 20 games a season. Right. I, I think if if if, if Wall had the confidence in a backup to play well whenever he was put in, I, I think he would give the backup more shots. And you know, if if he has some sort of rotation where Varley plays, you know, fifty-five to sixty, and Calvin plays the rest, I think that's good for both of them and the team. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I think if we yeah. can get back to Jaguar levels of starts, playing starts, that's where I think Pickard's ready for that. He hadn't shown me anything to say to suggest that he isn't. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to uh, make sure that we covered before we start talking about like a few other things is uh, where Tyson Berry has been at in the last couple of weeks. Um, he's been getting a lot of ice. He's for the most part been stepping up pretty well. Maybe not yesterday. Um. Or, you know, Saturday, I should probably say, because who listens on actual Sunday? <laughs> uh, right. Well, I'm a Barry supporter. I like Barry. I'm one of the guys that gets into the arguments when people start talking about trading him while his value's high. Spoiler. He, he is, yeah, he is a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. He's inconsistent, as Earl would say. But, uh,. When he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's a lesser, he's a poor man's Nick Holden at times, which, I mean, it's a pretty radical swing sometimes. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I've liked his play. I mean, even though he's had a, a couple of soft games over the past couple of weeks, you take his body of work and he's, he's really helping the team win and, and producing a lot of points and his, you know, even though he has a few defensive flaws, they, they really don't hurt the team all that much. Oh, NHL threw or NHL, goddammit, uh, Altitude threw up a stat uh, during the Columbus game where he was third since November 1st among defensemen in points. So, that's decent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a top 10 offensive defenseman in this league right now. And, but the nights when he doesn't put something on the board... It's a little weird. I, I mean, just how how far away he is from the score sheet on those nights sometimes. Yeah. He, he is 10th in the league among defensemen in points with 30, tied with Ryan Suter, with uh, four to five fewer games played than practically everybody above him. Thank you. I don't, know that he's, I don't know that he's getting a lot of more minutes than he was getting before EJ went down. I think, I mean, oh, I'm he looking did at it his first. game log. 
They're just different minutes. Probably. He definitely did at first. If he had three more points this year, he would be tied in fourth with Oliver Ekman Larson. Behind only, uh, you know, nobody, just John Klingberg and Brett Burns and, and Eric Carlson. You know, just a bunch of, bunch of randoms. Really nobody impressive. So, Tyson Berry has definitely stepped his offense up and continued to do so on a consistent basis throughout the year for a, for a defenseman, you know. It's, uh, yeah, he, he's on a ridiculous pace. I mean, it's, you know, <clears throat> I, I go back and forth about, I mean, the only thing I, I worry about Barry is paying him a ton of money for a long period of time and having the production tail off after just two or three years. Um, but I mean, that's just not something you can worry about right now. Right. I mean, he's I, such I, an I, asset like to the you, team. He's, He's going to get paid. I'm more worried about the term of that contract than I am necessarily the dollar amount. I'll agree. I mean, it's going to be long-term. I mean, there's no way that he's going to take less than seven years. I mean, maybe yeah. six, but gosh, I, you know. If it was the difference between six and seven, and that's where they were at, that's, you know, that's not a sticking point. No. You know, I, I'd worry about the last three or four years of that contract for sure, but, I mean, you, just, you, know, you can't give up that level of, of – production everyone's uh everyone that was very skeptical of uh, him putting up points at the same rate as last year i'm pretty sure i was one of them we're looking at on ice shooting percentage and things like that but he's continued his pace through half a season again so i mean this is somebody who's gonna get money who's gonna get it for a while and you just kind of have to hope that Nothing catastrophic happens halfway through the deal when the last, you know, anything unforeseeable where he just drops off the face of a cliff. Yeah, but right. he got hurt by JML, and, and, you know, that was a deal with a guy who wasn't quite as productive who was later in his career. So I, I can understand that, but, you know, he's so young and he's so good right now <coughs> that you just sort of have to, you know, just, just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Hold your nose. <laughs> trade him somewhere if he falls off and, and hope it works out, I guess. But, you know, it might not. Speaking of trades, uh, Stefan Elliott got traded. Saw him last night. Saw him last night. Was it a date or you guys just <laughs> reconnecting? No, he's playing for the Milwaukee Admirals against the Rampage. Okay. Oh. He, had, he yeah. had an assist and took two penalties. It is maybe important to note he got waived right before he got traded. That may be good information. So, if what are you thinking? That's the Nate Ginnon. That's what's coming. Ginnon's going to get traded. <laughs> yep, that's what's happening. He's to gonna, Montreal. He's going to get <laughs> traded to to somebody to then facilitate another deal. Hundred percent. Book it. Um. Yeah, I mean, for Drew and straight up. Yeah, for <laughs> we've seen the Druin rumors going. We've seen Ryan Johansson straight up for Seth Jones. We've seen uh, David Perron and Adam Clendenning go to Anaheim this week. Um, Carl Haglund headed back the other way to Pittsburgh. So my question for you guys is which avalanche is getting traded next? Zach Redmond. Why? Because out of everything we'd probably like to get rid of, he's the only thing that would actually bring something in return. 
And uh, by thing we'd like to get rid of, you mean our position of strength in defensemen who aren't that good. Yeah. In our quiver. <laughs> We're like the Costco of marginal defensemen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like you could offer up Nate Gannon. He's probably not going to bring much in return. Great guy that he is. Um, the new guy, you know, uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I wasn't all that impressed in the limited viewings I had of him. So I don't know if he'd bring anything back. I, I do think that, that Redmond has a track record in the NHL. And if you watch like highlights of him, you can be like, wow, he's got a good shot or, oh, look at him moving up the ice. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think you can convince someone that, that, you know, he could be helpful on, on another team's roster. But, I mean, you know, I, everything else we'd probably like to get rid of is probably either not going anywhere or right. not going to bring anything back. I, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys see anything that could bring I mean, anything the back? Obvious ones, the obvious ones are you might, if you could convince Tangay or Aginlof to be a rental for a contender, but we both know, we both, we know that both of those answers are no if they yeah, ever got the question. I don't dare um, hope for any of those. Right. You know, anybody else that's kind of that marginal NHLer who could contribute is hurt with your Winchesters and your streets. Uh, and I don't know, you, you maybe could get something for Blake Como. It wouldn't be great return, but I don't I think, think he's missed him, a though. candidate. I, yeah, I do too. I think you'd lose more than you'd get back. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about things we can replace. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I agree. I, I don't I think... think there's if Yogi comes there. back and, you know, he, he can put on a couple of good shows between the time he comes back and the deadline, I, I think, you know, there's a there's a shot he might be able to bring something back. Um, but it, it, it's kind of weird the way he went from just sort of out 10 days to, golly, we haven't seen him in a while. I, uh... Apologize like, for background yeah, I don't think noise. There's a lot there, so. <laughs> but my dogs have gotten really restless in the last five minutes. Um, I think the obvious answer is that the team is trading Landis Cog because he's terrible and the hashtag bad captain. Because <laughs> Colorado lost yesterday, therefore you have to trade the captain. He's so soft. He's a perimeter player. Which are just blatant lies. <laughs> He's not producing. Oh, that's true. He's not. Where he's we on, a, he's about? on an almost 60-point pace. I mean... On a line with Blake Como and Carl Soderberg, who are... I mean, Soderberg has nice, you know, offensive IQ, but that's mostly a line playing defense. So, obviously you have to trade him. Obviously. Come at me, Twitter. Um, should, should we should we take away Landy's captainship? No. <laughs> <laughs> if we're not going to trade him, we should at least strip him of the C, right? At, at the very least. <laughs> and at at so, the second and then, most and then least. Give it to Duchesne and have Slap Fight 2.0, just so we have some shit to talk about. A Slap oh. Fight 1.0 still hasn't gone away in some circles, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say, did Chambers write another idiotic article on... I did not click on it, 
FYI. <laughs> I saw the headline get retweeted into my timeline, and I was like, what are you people doing? Just knowing it's there is good enough. Sheesh. So, uh... Chambers is the nuclear deterrent of journalism. <laughs> we wouldn't want to cause a fight here because it will never go away. The player can go away, and it will still not go away. Uh, let's talk Rampage. Okay. What's been up? You said uh, bad things. Oh. They've won six games in the second quarter of the season, which just ended the other day. And they got swept by Milwaukee this weekend. They're, I mean, they're just decimated by injuries and now call-ups with Zadorov and, and Bigra up, and Pickard, obviously. <clears throat> um, I don't know. They're, they're really rudderless. They just, you know, no one is consistent. Um, they're missing, you know, probably a, a top line and a half worth of scoring. I mean, Hishin, uh, Borna, Agazino, they're all out. Street's obviously been out forever. Um, they're just, you know, everybody's playing over their heads, so they, <coughs> they just find it very tough to, to do anything offensively. Is it me, or does Ben Street get hurt long-term at the beginning of every season? I, I think that's right. <laughs> can I, can I ask a question? for the Rampage. I just went by San Antonio's website. What the hell are they wearing? Oh, that was Girl Scout night last night. What? Okay, yeah. Girl Scouts would have been way down the list of what I thought that jersey was representing. What, what's the URL here? Dan, SARampage.com. SARampage.com. Let's see this. I got a black box. There it goes. Those are... It's nowhere near as bad as Los Ice Hogs or anything like that. Are you no. Sh- are you sure that's not a St. Patrick's jersey? <laughs> I know. I, I, I was like, are those are those clovers or is... you know? Are those thin mints? Is that what those are supposed to be? <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe that's the, the tie-in. If those are thin mints, I take it back. That's genius. But as far as solutions, it's tough. I mean, one one thing that was happening this weekend, which really makes it bad because they got smoked in both games, was that the Avalanche were holding their winter organizational meetings down there. And they had basically everybody except for the, you know, the direct coaching staff of the Avs uh, having meetings all weekend. You know, Sackick was there, McFarland, Billington, you know, all the development staff, all the scouting staff, <clears throat> both pro and amateur. And, you know, they just, the team came out and looked horrible. Yeah, uh, I'm reading the recap. Four nothing after the first. <laughs> and it was, they scored four goals on eight shots. <coughs> Well, it, Spencer Martin had a he had a rough start. I watched the I didn't wa- I watched the Avs game first and then went into that live last night and watched the first period this morning. Um, Martin led in six or three goals on six shots and, and two of them were laughers. He just had a bad night. I mean, he's twenty. You're gonna have that. But the team actually didn't play that bad. But again, they just they couldn't score. Well, it sounds like all their scoring is missing. Um, you know, Rant- is Rantanen still out? Yeah, he is. Uh, he hasn't played since uh, before leaving for World Juniors. He's got a, I, I guess it's an old injury, they say. 
it's a hand injury <clears throat> and he's been skating and I guess he's pretty close but uh, you know, he, he and Hishin both have hand injuries hopefully they'll be back soon hopefully you know they, they play on Tuesday and then again two games next weekend now he played a world junior and earned a player of the game in the gold medal game yeah um he was so good. Was that something that he played through or re-aggravated? I don't know, because he came back in the first game he was supposed to play. He went out for warm-ups and then came off the ice unexpectedly, and he hasn't played since. So, huh. I, you know, I don't know how you hurt your hand in warm-ups, but I don't want to think about it. <laughs> he, uh, he knocked up the, the big puck pile down and Go just down. hit it wrong. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, my guess is they're probably being a little cautious with him because... You know, there's there's no sense in making some chronic out of a little injury this with right, him. for sure. Well, it looks like the rampage are organizationally consistent. They're better on the road than they are at home. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, they've so lost the twelfth street at home. Like? <laughs> they got a lot of home games coming up. Yeah, seven more in a row, and then they go off on the rodeo road trip for over a month. Sheesh! Oh, they have one of those too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've lost twelve in a row at home. There, there's a couple of loser points in there, but they have not won a game at home in the last twelve. So like, what? What's the fans turn out like? Four people. The fans are they're edgy about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I interact with with Rampage fans, and it's just you know, I, I can see why they'd be frustrated. It, it, they're just not playing well, and they started fantastic. I mean, the first quarter of the season, right. you know, they went ten four and four. They're fantastic, and it's just now you got this, and it's like, you know, the the Avs had they they have a five year contract with San Antonio. They've been trying to, you know, really get a a good AHL program going for a while. Now they're finally weeding out some of the mistakes that might have been made during the previous regime. You know, this summer we're probably going to sign a whole bunch of new guys because just about all the forwards, except for I think Henley and Burke, are the only ones that are signed for next year. So, you know, I would expect a lot of turnover, um, and and you know, just get some guys that can, you know, that are better and don't get hurt all the time. <laughs> that's that's easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> All we got to do is find someone who's not going to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Not even the whole word, just two letters. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, uh, if, if there were no injuries, this team would probably be doing fantastic still. You know, and if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. But still, that's, right. you know, it's what's killing them. Hopefully that turns around. We got to get some guys healthy, <clears throat> much like one of a, one of the three of us, and much like my voice is doing right now. <clears throat> so, anything else you guys want to talk about today before we head into next week? Mm. No, that's no. I think it. we covered it all. I mean, so just to recap, we're we should have traded Duchesne. We should have traded Barry. We should have traded Varlamov. We should have traded, or we should trade, there's still time, Landeskog. Firewall. Sackett doesn't know what he's doing. Need a new head scout. Yeah. So, 
I, I don't understand the naysayers. I mean, we're fighting for a playoff spot. When we looked at the team coming into the season, we thought that would about be what we would get, would be a borderline team. I don't think any of us thought that the Central would be quite the murderer's row it's been the first half of the season. But we've been doing good in the Central. We just can't beat the shitty teams. Honestly, I think it's less... I, I, I think a lot of people expected the Central to be absurd. I think it's how shit the Pacific has been that's been the surprise. Yeah, maybe it's the, the comparison. The relativeness of it. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone thought Anaheim was going to be even close to this bad. I mean... They just couldn't score a goal for so long. It's ridiculous. And, I mean, I didn't think they were going to go to the finals again, but or the, the conference finals again. But, I mean, being out of the playoffs like they have, and for most of the first quarter of the season, they were just not even close. I mean, you just didn't see that. Yeah, they were awful. Do you think that's a bigger storyline, Anaheim start, than the, the clown shoes that have been Columbus this season? Hey, I don't know. But there, there were some really smart people who jumped on the Columbus bandwagon for some really dumb reasons. Well, that's because they all jumped on the same bandwagon last year, and it got derailed by injuries, and they used that as an excuse to jump on it again. Mm. There's a lot of imaginary awesomeness in, in Columbus. I mean, I can see why you'd say, hey, you know, there's some young, talented guys there, and but, <laughs> you know, they don't produce. I mean, you still, I mean the, the Seth Jones trade could be horrible for them. Could be. It could be amazing, you know? It could be horrible for Nashville. I, I think it's going to be one of those rare things where it's not horrible for anybody. Yeah, it could be very mediocre for both. Sometimes no one wins a trade. <coughs> Don't tell talk radio about it. <laughs> yep. So, next week, Colorado start off on two, on Monday rather with a road game in Winnipeg. Uh, so... Big. That's uh that's that is a big deal and that is a tough one for this team. Whether Winnipeg are in the bottom of the division or not, Colorado don't match up with them. Well at six o'clock mountain, that is on altitude, but I will probably be watching the away feed because that's what I do. Uh, Wednesday, Buffalo comes to town, eight o'clock local because of NBC's exclusivity window on Wednesdays and blah blah blah. Also on altitude. On Friday, Colorado face off against St. Louis at seven o'clock. Mountain on altitude, and then back to back, they travel to Dallas on Saturday for a six o'clock start, also on altitude with the Stars and their absurd goal scoring prowess. Wow, I wonder if they're going to be any good storylines this week. Um, I'm <laughs> struggling. It's it's a bit of a reach, you know. Um, I don't think there's any exabs on Winnipeg. I don't think there's any exabs on Dallas. So probably not, you know. Yeah, I don't know what anybody's going to write about, honestly. <laughs> oh, a, there was something we didn't talk about that I wanted to talk about. Okay. I saw something in my Facebook feed, and they were talking about, I can't remember who it was, just destroyed Paul Stasny with a hit. Yeah, that was uh, Alexi Emlin. Emlin, that's what it was. Yeah. And I was like, and they were like, this is the hit of the year. And I was like, I, that was a good hit. It was clean. It was good. What Duchesne did to... Ah, uh, what's his name for Columbus? Where he was supposed to be the hit E and just dropped him. Forsberg him? Oh, man, did he ever. Duchesne saw it coming, and he, you know, Duchesne's got ridiculous lower body strength, and he planted, and he just, he pinwheeled this guy into the boards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he knocked him into the bench practically. 
Yeah, I mean, the dude got full horizontal and spun 360. <laughs> How did I miss this? I'm, I'm looking for it right now. Hold on. It's got to be on the highlight package. I was going to say, it's got to be in the altitude highlight package. That sounds they hilarious. Ran it. Even the Columbus guys ran it a couple times. <laughs> they were like, they were like, damn. <laughs> I mean, that was all they could say. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, sometimes you're the ball. That's what wings do. They hit. Wow. He turns into a wing. He starts hitting guys. I mean, it was... Where's my... Uh, can never find this stuff when I want to. Before winnable games this week, in naturally in six days, because that's how January is this year, I guess. Why rest? <clears throat> they do get two days off in a row, Sunday and Monday, after a back-to-back, and then they go to California and play another back-to-back. Yeah, but it's California. Yeah. Yeah, it's warm. Um, some winnable I, I, games, I, I, some I, tough I, games. What do you guys think this week? I don't know. I, I think I, yeah, I'm going to take the WA position, and we got to take it one game at a time. I think Winnipeg is. is Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Boo! We, we we hate playing Winnipeg, but I I think this is one time when we really got to buckle down and find a way to beat these guys. Um, you know, I mean, based on the scuttlebutt. This could be one of the last times we see Dustin Bufflin in a wing in a Jets uniform. There's a lot of talk about moving him. Yeah, there's a guy whose name's misspelled. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, you know, it's like this is a game where I'd really like to see uh, Martinson really step up and be physical because it's just that's that's the only language they comprehend. Um. You know, I, I think coming off of just being totally anemic offensively against Columbus, you know, it, it's it's a it's a must score a lot game. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think we're gonna win a two one game up there. <clears throat> you go back to Varley, or you keep riding? You pick her and get that start. I'm thinking about the. I think the, Patrick uh, already said that Varley's starting at Winnipeg. I would. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's I mean, what I Varley's I, healthy. He's your number one. I mean, it's a couple of Eastern teams to give him a break. That's all I see. Yeah, so you think you think Picks is in net in Buffalo, or did he just wait to one of the back-to-backs? So you get Dallas? That's. I mean, that's a tough call because it's like St. Louis and Dallas back-to-back. I can't see Varley not starting both of those. I uh, wish he'd give Pickard St. Louis personally. Yeah, I mean, that. you know, one of them would be nice. I bet we don't see Pickard until San Jose. I think he might start Buffalo. Honestly, he's played well enough in the last two games that I, you know, against a non-conference uh, opponent, especially with the back-to-back, it, you know, it, it would be tempting if you're Patrick Watt to, to play Pickard on on Wednesday night. It would be, um, but we also know how it usually goes when you all in on one goalie back-to-back. So, not great. And then every time you say that. In the second game, the goalie gets a goddamn shutout just because you said that. So we'll see what happens. I'd love to shut out the Stars, boy. Me too. Woo! <laughs> They've only been shut out like once this year, twice, something like that. <laughs> I want to think they've come back from a four-goal deficit to win this year. I'm sure. Haven't they won a couple games, 9-3? to three? 
nine to four. Probably they're <laughs> they're just silly right now. Yeah. No, I mean they're you know they're incredibly fun to watch. I, I'm looking for a very fun game to watch <clears throat> for that one. I um, hope so. You know, I did. You know, I, I wouldn't mind a six to five win. I wouldn't mind any win. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll even. I, I'd even. I mean, I hate to say this. I don't want to be a bad fan or anything. I'd take a six to five loss. I I would gift Dallas the loser point. I don't care if it's in regulation or not. I just want to see a win. Yeah. I mean, they had, they've been a little. They've been a little struggly. I mean, January has not been kind to them. St. Louis have been a little more struggly though. They just called up Andre Benoit too. What? Yep. Who did? There's. That's the storyline you're talking about. Well, I was thinking Stastny, but that's a good one too. You subtle pos. <laughs> um, yeah, they're you know they're they're struggling a little bit with injuries. It seems. Strug City. <laughs> but that would be you know. If if they're they're digging down into Chicago that far, I mean, and Benoit is one of their best D's down in Chicago. I'll I'll, I'll give him that, but um, you know, Chicago, St. Louis is AHL team, not the Blackhawks. Yes, yeah, sorry, the the Wolves. Um, so, <clears throat> how long have they been St. Louis? Didn't they used to be Vancouver? Yeah. God, AHL confuses the shit out of me. How do you keep this all straight, bro? Well. Nowadays, when your, when your team leaves, players. it's pretty simple. <laughs> Fuck them all. I, I don't know why, but Rockford and Chicago have this relationship and they have for years, so the, the Wolves have, have traditionally been someone else's team. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if what, whether Chicago's trying to fix that or not. I mean, it works out great for Toronto. They can send guys down for a day at a time just for cap reasons. Yeah. I mean, I think it would work out nice. I think if it was a good deal for Chicago, they would have done it already. Um, the Chicago Wolves ownership is one of the most fiercely independent groups in the AHL. Mm. Um, yeah, they're a lot like Hershey was back in the day. Yeah, I mean, Hershey is is up there in Syracuse as well. Um, but it's just, you know, they, they've got a great fan base. You know, they, they have a great arena. I mean, it's... You know the Rosemont Horizon, whatever they call it now. I mean, it's it's in the suburbs, but it's still easy to get to. Um, you know, they can pack that place. You know, they have they have a good deal going, so they don't need the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks, you know, don't need them bad enough. Guess not. Well, at any rate, um, and, and unless you guys have any parting words, I probably need to shut this one down before these dogs that have been licking my chair for the last ten minutes pee on the floor. <laughs> so. Let's uh real quickly how many points this week? I say four. Five. I'll go I'll go five as well. Okay. Four, five, and five. So they'll either win them all or they'll win none of them. Because we all picked in the middle. And yeah. it's the exact reverse opposite with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh thanks to uh both of Earl and Mike for being here today. Mike particular because he is, as we mentioned earlier, not as healthy as he could be. So Thank, but I appreciate having you both. Thank you both. Uh, thank you no for problem. listening as usual. Um, and we will uh, have you back next week. You can follow the podcast on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Podcast, or on Mixcloud at the same address, mixcloud.com slash Podcast. 
Check out the newest abs and rampage news and updates at milehighhockey.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey or on Twitter at milehighhockey as well. Um, check out the podcast on iTunes where you can rate and review and tell us how awesome or not awesome we are and subscribe to where we're straight into your listening device every week or on your favorite RSS catcher. At any rate, we will see you next week. Have a good one, guys.